Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth for Cincinnati Business Talk Radio today. Regularly scheduled guest has not made it out here, thanks to probably the construction. And at the last minute, I have asked Gene Fine, who's an associate here at uh, Sandler Training, to sit in for him. Thanks for joining us, Gene. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Before we get started, let me tell you uh, what's going to be happening on the show uh, tomorrow and next week. We have tomorrow we have Gene Conroy the entrepreneur owner of Tree Frog Specialties. They're a company that specializes in screen printing and embroidery, logoized apparel. And next week, week from today, we're going to have Mike Lamb on from the company Cincinnati Time. And a week from Friday, we're going to have Jeff Betts of the Landmark Insurance Agency, and we have some other really great guests scheduled throughout the end of the month. And if we're also operating today in a little bit of a a different mode. We've had some internet problems. So thanks to Verizon, we're we're working today's show on a uh, one of their super high speed LTE G4 uh, internet connections. And I apologize in advance if the show drops off. Stay with us. We'll probably have a pretty good show today. Gene, why don't you tell our listeners what's your story? How'd you get here? You know, how did you start in business after you got out of college? Well. Thanks, Mike. Um, well, my, my degree is in finance uh, from the University of Cincinnati. Graduated in uh, 2000, and I actually found myself when I right after Brown graduation, taking over my father's motorcycle business. Started in this kind, started in this city in 1976, Japanese motorcycle dealership, and worked for, took over when he passed away in 2000, and. Ran the, ran the daily operations of the dealership until 2003. 2003, I, at the time, working with the dealership, I was racing professionally as well and had the opportunity to get involved in the automotive aftermarket. Uh, we started a distributorship for a software uh, for a software product in 2003 and ran that business until 2007. Fortunately, at that point is when is roughly when the economy started to falter in the automotive world. We were kind of on the leading edge of the credit crisis and uh so, you know, future uh, economic meltdown. That, so, exactly what products or services were you selling there in 2007? Uh 2007 we were selling tuning software that primarily focused on Ford products, but at that point we were actually already uh selling products for General Motors cars as well as some of the Japanese uh, performance uh, automobiles. Uh, We were selling software packages as well as, at that point, hard parts and doing race car construction. Oh, so you were selling things like uh, turbochargers, intercoolers? Oh, yeah, turbochargers, superchargers. We were building, you know, five, six, seven hundred horsepower streetcars as well as competition cars. Oh, Okay. And in 2007, the market began to fall apart for you? We first saw the downturn in 2005 when, uh, following Hurricane Katrina when gas prices really spiked. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were already starting to see that sales were being affected. Um, but what we then saw was that as credit started to dry up, um, a lot a lot of the projects projects that we were the project based builds that we were doing were oftentimes in the seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollar range, mm-hmm. and many of those were funded by four hundred one k. Um, loans funded by home equity loans, and as those started, the availability of those started to dry up. We started to see um, our business slow down as a result. Ah, mm-hmm. And what happened? What did you do next? Um, actually, we found a buyer for the company. Uh, the good thing was is that we were still a profitable enterprise, and we had over the years, as the company grew, entertained quite a few buyers. Mm-hmm. And we. Um, we're, luck, we're lucky enough to get out and find, in a little better term, a bigger sucker mm-hmm. <laughs> to take over. So you sold the company. Yeah. And, and what did you do next, Gene? Uh, that point, I actually went back into the motorcycle business. Okay, your dad's uh, motorcycle business. The shop, the shop was still was still at the time thriving, and I was asked to come back uh, to take over the sales department mm-hmm. and ran that um, up until uh, 2009 when we actually uh, opted to close the business uh, as the downturn really got brutal, mm-hmm. and um, we found a buyer for the property. Okay. And how did you get how did you get involved with uh, Sandler Training? Well, I was working actually in the uh, – I worked in uh, healthcare staffing, and I actually came to Sandler Training because I was looking to grow um, my personal sales and had the opportunity to go to work for a company that had hired Sandler as – their sales training. It was a commercial cleaning company, mm-hmm. and the owner of the company had the vision to to realize that the best way to grow his sales team was with a third party to provide outside sales training for the team. They, you know, a lot of com- a lot of company owners, especially when it's a, especially company founders, don't necessarily know that where their limitations are as far as growing their sales team. You can have a fantastic operation, but when when it comes to sales, if if you don't have a background in sales, it can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, many franchisors sell a franchise to people who don't have a background in sales. They buy the the concept of the business, and then they're left left with so called holding the bag when they realize that they've actually purchased a business that you have to learn how to sell. Exactly. The you know at the end of the day no matter how good of a concept you have, you hit, somebody has to sell something in order for revenue to come in the front door. Good. Gene, are you okay taking some Sandler questions from our listeners today? Um sure. Okay, if anyone's listening and they want to call in, the number will be 646-595-4916. Uh we're working with a different internet connection today, so we don't know exactly what will happen when we push the buttons, but we hope it will work. Gene, how how long were you in Sandler Training with this uh, franchise company? Um, I was there for approximately a year. Okay. And you subsequently left them and started your own new business? Uh, I was actually asked to uh, function as a general manager for an, another automotive startup. Okay. And when that operation decided to close its doors. Essentially, I found myself in the position of, you know, need, need, needing to go need, needing to work somewhere else as the uh, the company owner, the founder had opted to not continue with his project and in conversation I thought that uh, becoming an associate for Sandler was would be a great opportunity for me. Good. When you were over at that uh, automotive uh, I'll call it a repair shop, were you using Sandler techniques to bring in more business constantly? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of the Sandler techniques is to ask questions, to find out the true reason, the true motivation for somebody to make a purchase. And in the automotive world, particularly in the repair world, that just doesn't happen. You know, you, mm. A customer comes in, you know, your, your typical automotive repair uh, situation, the customer comes in, you know, my car is making noise. And, you know, they say, well, this is what it's doing. This is, you know, what it's going to cost. And the customer says yes or no. The problem is, though, is that that's not 
it, it, when it comes to an autom- automobile repair, I mean, unless the wheel is about to fall off the car, a lot of repairs can be deferred. And as a business, uh, as a business, you have to encourage the customer to make the purchase and okay the and okay the repair. And so by asking questions and finding out what do you use the car for? Are you hauling your children in it? Is this your? Is are you commuting to work in this? Mm-hmm. It's not important that you show up on time every day. Exactly. Right. It's not important that the brakes don't work right. Exactly. It's not important that by continuing to operate the brakes, metal on metal, you significantly increase your stopping distance. And you actually significantly increase your expense. Mm, to repair it eventually. Yeah. yeah. And you, if, you serv- if you service your brakes on your car when they first start to make noise, you can probably get away with, un- with a couple hundred dollars worth of repairs. If you wait till they start grinding, you may destroy the calipers, you may destroy the hub, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that $300 repair could become a $3,000 repair. <laughs> or more. Yeah. You know what my daughter's uh, methodology is? Wait till the car's on the side of the road smoking? Not quite that bad. It's buy a new car. And there's, uh, I have made that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a time when uh, the car is not economic to repair. And that and that's being a trusted advisor. That mm-hmm. when when it comes to in the automotive realm, you know, sometimes you have to tell something. So you, sometimes you have to tell a customer something they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is buy a new car. Okay, uh, Gene. What we're going to do now is take a uh, about about a two minute break. We're going to listen to Sandler Rule number thirty four, and. If anyone is listening and they have a question for Gene or me, you can call in on 646-595-4916. Hi, I'm Eric Meyer with Sandler Training, here to talk about Rule 44. If your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Here's an example. You go through your proposal with the prospect. Everything looks great. Your prospect is responding in a positive fashion to the information that you brought to the table. Um, Everyone feels good. You wrap up and move forward for the order, only to find that the prospect says that they have to take your information to a committee. At this point, you can get angry with the prospect. Why didn't they bring that up? Why didn't they tell you? that they were going to have to take this information to somebody else before they could make a decision. Well, it's your job to ask the right questions to uncover roadblocks and potential problems ahead of time so that you don't find yourself scrambling at a future date when it's already too late. So take responsibility when the prospect brings up new problems and challenges. If you ask the right questions ahead of time, you can diffuse a situation before it's too late. And next time you're faced with the situation, the results will be positive. This is Mike Roth and uh, Gene Fine. Gene, we just listened to rule number 34. Did you ever run into using that rule? As far as with uh, the automobile repair business, failing to uncover the prospect's budget, uh, rule 34 should have said uh, work smart, not hard. I wasn't. We actually played the one uh, for 44. Oh, we played rule 34 or 44. It was talking about budget. So, well, let's let's deal with 34 (laughs) then. Okay, rule 34 is uh, work smart, not hard. Uh, Have you ever? Played games with a prospect and wasted a lot of time. Sure, of course. I think everybody has. Good. Uh, how do you uh, pin down uh, a prospect? That's a big deal. You know, it's it's a hundred thousand dollar deal, and you're looking for a way to uh, sell a small deal uh, to get the big deal pinned down. Well, when you're talking when, when you're talking to a customer who is who is looking for a when, when you, customers by nature are going to be are reticent 
you know, when you're talking about large sums of money, and it depends on who it prospects is. Prospects are going to be right. right. Prospects are going to be wary. Are going to be wary. The the issue that often comes up, and it doesn't matter what kind of business it is, is until they until somebody has experience working with you, it's hard to to you know to agree to a large sum of money. The in the automotive world, if you're dealing with a you know a family of you know mom dad three kids situation. A lot of money can be five six hundred dollars in mm-hmm. the business world. A lot of money to some companies five thousand, to other companies a million is not an unheard of sum to spend on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And what it is is it's talk, establishing trust and getting a customer to try you out. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that in Salem? It's making a small purchase. Okay, and that's called a... It's called a monkey's paw. Good. That's where you give them the opportunity to make a small, smaller purchase, say 5 or even 3% of the total, depending on the size of the job. Yeah. And then you prove that your process or product actually works. And then you give them a credit towards the big purchase for the small purchase they made in the first place. Uh, monkey's paws are excellent ways... Uh, to sell more business. In the automotive world, one of the, one of the common uh, monkey's paws, monkey paws, would be the estimate. You charge $75 for a diagnostic or $100 for a diagnostic, usually one hour worth of labor. And then you credit that towards the, towards the cost of the repair. Mm-hmm. There's a great story uh, that, that one of our guys told me. Uh, his, his dog died. And uh, he was very sad about it. The family was very extremely sad. And uh, his wife called the dog breeder about 80 miles out of town that had some puppies of the same breed. And they agreed to go out and take a look at the puppies with the kids. So they piled the family in the van, went out to the breeder, and they looked at the puppies, and the puppies looked good. And uh, uh, our guy John said, well, how do I know I'm going to... uh, like the dog, and the dog is going to like us. This was out in the country, and the uh, uh, the breeder was really smart. He says to uh, to John, well, why don't you take the, the dog home for a couple of days over the weekend, and if you like the dog, you keep him. If you don't like him, bring him back on Monday morning. I'll give you your money back. And John looked at his wife. His wife looked at John and, they, and the kids, and they decided to take the dog home. So this dog was was raised in the in the country, and you know I have three kids, uh, young ages, and any time the kids opened the front door, guess what happened? Dog tried to run out the door. No, it didn't try to run out the door. It actually Success- did. Successfully ran out. The successfully door. ran out the door. So in the middle of dinner, John's loading the kids and his wife into the van to chase the dog down in the neighborhood. That happened three or four times over the weekend. Imagine the anxiety. And after they they rescued the dog three or four times, do you think they were willing to drive back to the country to return the dog? Probably not. Nope. They kept the dog. An excellent uh, monkey's paw. Yeah, the, the, the free trial certainly works. Well, that wasn't free because they had to pay for the well, dog. Yeah, but uh, the the uh, return guarantee. I guess money money back guarantee, move a better term. Money back guarantee, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Um, now, uh, let's let's talk for a minute, Gene, about rule number eleven. Sam, the rule eleven. Uh, money does grow on trees. Uh, if you're a person who's into old fifties uh, rock and roll girls groups, it was a group called the Cordettes. And they sang a song called "The Money Tree." A little bit, little bit before my time, but I'll, I'll little little bit before your time. Uh, I have it on a CD. Uh, money does grow on trees, and it grows on referral trees. Uh, you know, I was talking to a uh, a prospect uh, on Tuesday, and she told me she what her product sells for between a thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars per client. And she was saying that she was getting in front of not enough people and not getting enough referrals or introductions. 
And uh, she told me about one sales call where she accidentally was put on stage in front of a group of 15 bankers who could buy her product. And they needed it. And she didn't sell any of them. Of course, she didn't use any sandal techniques. <laughs> but what was worse is she didn't ask any of these 15 bankers who they knew that absolutely needed it. And so she walked away without getting the order and without getting the referrals. It's amazing on that. I mean, it's. I, I personally think that it's a. There is a psychological barrier with some people. They are afraid to ask somebody to refer them. I, I in my experience, it's people are people who are afraid to ask or people who. To do. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that whatever they do. I mean, I don't, I don't care if you sell cars or if you're a financial advisor or if you sell cleaning services. Be proud of what you do. And your clients are doing business with you for a reason. Your clients cho- choose to do business with you. And as such, they will probably tell somebody else about what you do if you ask. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's really important. If you ask them, everyone knows 2,000 people on a first-name basis. Uh, here's a good piece of reading to do uh, over the weekend. Read Ralph Waldo Emerson's Essay on Compensation. That's over 100 years old. 200. 200 years Push, old. Pushing 200 at this point, I believe. Pushing 200. Great piece of English prose. You'll find it on the web. Uh, don't ask me for copies of it. But it will give you the story of why you need to do good work and ask for referrals to get more, give more. You get what you give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go backwards in the and what we're doing today, if you haven't figured it out, is we took out a couple of copies of the Forty Nine Sandler Rules book uh, by Dave Matson, and this is a great book. Uh, because it's the only place where Sandler and Dave Matson, who's our CEO now, reordered the Sandler rules into the psychological order. So let's uh, let's take a rule, a, a quick look at rule number forty-nine. Last one that made the book, this book. Leave your child in the car. Uh, that's a child ego state uh, in transactional analysis. Transactional analysis by Dr. Eric Byrne is the psychological basis for the Sandler selling system. Uh, Gene, what happens when a prospect takes their child on the sales call? They go to a car dealership. A, pros- a prospect or the... Or a prospect the- hmm. takes his child ego state. This 55-year-old male prospect goes into the Chevrolet dealership and says, I'd like to see a red Corvette. If he takes the child ego stand, he probably buys himself a red Corvette and pays too much for it. Ah, the child ego state says, I, I want a red Corvette. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's take a, a look at the transactions that happen. The child says to the parent, I'd like a red Corvette. What does the parent do? The parent responds with, probably not a good idea to buy a red Corvette. Mm. Consult, or, or, or the wife says Consults that. with the adult ego state. The adult ego state says, well, we have plenty of money. Yeah, we have, we have money. We can buy a red Corvette. Yeah, red's a good color. Yeah. Looks good. Can't argue with that. Sure. Uh, what does the parent ego state say? That it's a that it's not a good decision. Uh, it's not a good decision because it costs too much. You don't need a Corvette. Your Camry is a perfectly is a perfectly adequate car. And what does the child ego state say then? I'm buying a Corvette. I want a Corvette. I have the money for a Corvette. Exactly. I deserve a Corvette. I've worked hard. I should get a Corvette. No matter what the price. Exactly. Now let's throw on some options. <laughs> You're going to get a Corvette. You don't want to get a bottom-of-the-line one, do you? Well, you got to get navigation. You've got to get the good suspension package. You've got to get leather. Oh. 
how it works. Yeah, because they throw on anything else. I'm sure. I'm sure they can. And the child ego will bug the parental ego state until the adult steps in and says, "Well, that's logical. If you're driving around in a Corvette, it's hard to see out because it's so low. You you, you really need that navigation system." Exactly. That's how you take. That's how you take the sixty-five thousand dollar car and it becomes a ninety-five thousand dollar car. Yeah, and because it's so low and you got bad rear vision out of the mirror, uh, probably need one of those rear view cameras. Exactly. Yeah, and parking is going to be hard. So you need those side side sensors as, as well as front and rear. Makes yeah, a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. Then maybe even one of those automatic parking systems just in case you drive it into a place like New York City or L.A. Yeah. Yeah. So the child drives the sale. Now, what happens if the salesperson takes his child ego state on a sales call? If the salesperson takes his child ego state in, he makes his decisions – without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. He reacts quickly, neg- sometimes negatively, to the prospect's behavior. And he also is afraid. He takes in, he takes in all of the lessons that he learned as a child. Mm-hmm. You know, don't ask questions. Don't talk about money. The, mm. the, the things that, when it comes to find, finding the prospects, the prospects' issues kills the deal. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have any questions, you can call in on 646-595-4916. We'll uh, screen the questions during the uh, next commercial break, which is about to start. What we're going to listen to is a Sandler song called the Sandler Rap. Well, that didn't work well. <laughs> Are you playing it? Oh, come on. About my needs, you don't care about my pain. You think about yourself, you think it's all a game. You don't ask my opinion, you don't... I'm going to start that again, Gene. Okay. Oh, don't do that. Yo, you salesmen are all the same You don't care about my needs, you don't care about my pain You think about yourself, you think it's all a game You don't ask my opinion, you don't even know my name Salespeople come, and then they're gone They don't care about them, and they ain't there long Just ask for the info, and get the price now Check the competition, the better anyhow These guys are all talk, 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 it's a lie They don't say nothing but I, me, mine They sticky and they're selfish and they in my face Soon as I get rid of the one, more will take its place. They manipulate, trap, con, and control. They don't know I'm the master of my soul. I have them running around till they dazed and confused. They shop it to others. I won't be abused. But wait, what's this? Another sales joke. Did he just give me permission to say no? Don't know what to think and I don't know what to say. What's the deal with this guy? It's not the sales way. Guess he hasn't learned how to play the sales game. Not too bright. He's probably not to blame. The boss sent him out without the first clue. I'll try to help him out and Show him what to do Now he asks a question Wait for me to tell All about my world My own private hell They don't seem to care If I leave or buy I don't know what to think Of weird sales guys I'm talking and I'm talking I can't believe my ears I'm telling this guy My big bad fears I'm telling them things That I don't even know I'm letting down my guard And I'm putting on a show Can you help me please Take the lead Can't you hear I'm hurting See me bleed I'm ready to go Move on proceed did he just say it might not be what I need? Well, I'll show him. I just gotta have his stuff. Don't care what it costs or if it's tough. I'm ready to sign. Just show me how. Did he just ask what I wanna do now? So I close the deal and feel real good. Gonna tell this guy about my brothers in the hood. Never ever send another salesman down my line. Gotta have my man, my advisor every time. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. 
I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Okay, this is Mike Roth back with uh, Gene Pine. Gene, what's what's one of your favorite Sandler rules? Um, I would say probably my favorite ones would be really some of the first. I think number two. Rule number two. What's rule number two for everyone? Don't spill your candy in the lobby. Ah, uh, that's a famous Sandler rule. And one of the rules, there there are a handful of Sandler rules in my experience that. Once you learn them, it changes everything in how you sell. Uh, it changes your your cold calling. It certainly changes your presentations. And it's really where the value lies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So can you give us an example of, of, of how you changed by uh, employing that rule? Sure. The best example that I can think of is you learn this and this, this it's it's particularly prevalent prevalent in the automotive world. Customer calls, comes in, sets an appointment to have his vehicle reviewed, and you tell him everything. You sit there, you put the car in the lift, we talk about the entire process of what's going to be done to the car, because you, you look at it from a project management perspective. Mm-hmm. And you give all this information, customer says, great, thank you. And then you never hear from him again. Six weeks later, you're at a race or a cruise-in, and you bump into the prospect. And he says, you know, you look at the car, and, hey, a supercharger sitting on the car. What happened? Oh, well, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, I can just try to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And that could be a $7,500 job that you blew because you gave too much information. Ah, uh, you told the customer what supercharger to buy and how to install it. Yeah. Then what do they need you for? Exactly. Hmm. I'm sure that's never happened to any of our listeners. I'm sure it never has. Never will either. Exactly. Um, Let's talk about another Sandler rule. I don't know. The other Sandler rule that goes hand in hand with that, that I find amazingly effective, is number five, which is to never ask an unasked question. Never Never answer, answer an, unasked, an unasked question. Never answer an unasked question. Good. And and how would the that be applicable? The the best example I can think of was a few weeks ago. My wife and I were my wife and I've been car shopping. Um, we've been looking. She she wants a new a new car. She's tired of the of the seven eight year old car that she has right now, and so we've been actively looking. And so on the test drive, we went and test drove. A uh, couple of cars. Well, we test drove quite a few cars, and we actually made our decision finally. But one example is we went and looked at a convertible. Um, get in the get it, go out for a test drive. First words out of the salesman's mouth are telling me about the safety equipment in case of a rollover. Mm. Why? Why, unless I asked about the safety equipment, would you even bring up the concept of a rollover to a prospect while on a test drive? Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about a rollover, but I sure was after that converse, after that uh, information. Mm-hmm. It, 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 amazes, it amazes me how many salespeople still sell or attempt to sell using features and benefits. Right, right. They don't know what the customer wants. I had an incident like that. Uh, Back in 91, my wife decided she wanted to drive a Honda Accord EX. So I drove. we drove in my Mercedes over to the Honda store. And literally before I got my foot on the asphalt parking lot, getting out of the Mercedes, a salesman was there opening the door for me, saying, Sir, what color would you like to test drive? And, uh, you know, we gave him an assortment of colors. And he says, we have this new feature 
called uh, uh, that pulsating breaking. What's that called, Gene? ABS. ABS. And I had never had a call with ABS at that point. So I uh, said, yeah, well, let's let's try a red one. And uh, we got into this red one. He takes us out to the back behind the dealership. There was plenty of room. He says, you know, get it up to about 40 miles an hour and hit the brakes. And he sit in the back. My wife is, and I have seat belted in the front. And with those instructions, I got it up to about 50 miles an hour. And then I stood on the brakes. <laughs> he almost went through the front window. And I'm feeling this pulsating brake pedal and didn't know what to do with it. So I released it. <laughs> and he said, stand on it again. That guy probably had a heart attack that day. <laughs> and if you know, would, would you have, did you care about ABS? It was a nice feature when I knew what it was, but that wasn't why I was there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have swayed her decision at the time. No, actually, she had already made up her mind. She wanted a Honda EX. There you go. That was just a question of whether or not he had the right color and the right features on the vehicles on the lot. But it's entirely possible you would have felt uncomfortable with that with that ABS, being that it was a relatively new feature on cars at the time, and may have opted not to buy the car based on that. I tell you, I scared, to de- I scared him to death. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he ever told anyone else to floor it and, and then step on the brakes to feel the ABS. And that's that's why features and benefits sailing is is it's destined for failure. It is it is a almost a guarantee that you're going to find something about your product or your service that the customer doesn't want, or that is it. And, and the deal breaker is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know why? But yet, that's what that's. You know, people go back to Dale Carnegie selling. You know, circa what nineteen twelve, yeah, and think that that's the way that you're supposed to sell a product. Mm-hmm. And when you're selling using the Dale Carnegie method, uh, features and benefits. Uh, if I could show you a way to do X, would you buy my product today? Exactly. I think most prospects have either. Red Dale Carnegie going through his course. They they know what's happening. What what it, what it is is that the customer who's buying in that way, they're going to buy regardless. Mm-hmm. That's not the customer you're worried about. Your customer walks in and says, you know, I'm buying. You, 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 I want to get away from talking about the auto business, and I just know it well. But you know, if you're if you're if you walk in and you're selling IT services. Mm-hmm. And your customer says, or you, you you show the features of what you offer. Well, they're probably if they say okay, I'll buy it. They probably knew about that already. You you have an educated consumer today. Mm-hmm. You know they already know about the features. If they don't know about the features, your features might actually scare them off because they because it's something that's foreign to them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask the questions and find out why you're there, yeah, I mean I. On, on this last cell phone I bought, you know, uh, the cell phone I had was a, a good Verizon LTE phone, Thunderbolt. It wasn't a speed demon, but... Uh, Ironically, with a name like Thunderbolt. Uh, at the time it came out, because it was the first <laughs> LTE phone, uh, it was it was much faster than, than average. Uh, and the contract had another six months to go on it. Yeah, I wasn't happy about the speed being slow because of all the applications I put on, but I wasn't going to buy anything new. Then one day it fell on the floor and the screen cracked. And so I called Verizon, and I didn't say, uh, what are the features of the new phones? I just wanted to know how fast I could get a replacement phone that was a top-of-the-line phone. Yeah. Yeah, with a Gorilla case and Gorilla glass. <laughs> And if it, you know, it, that might have been the one feature that if, if a salesperson would have pointed out the Gorilla Glass, that might have been the feature that sealed the deal for you. Oh, for them, yeah. But for me, uh, since they didn't uh, do it right, I guess I talked to them for two days before I decided which phone to go with. Because the old phone, it worked with the, the cracked glass. That was the amazing part. Again, we're going to take a, a, a short commercial break here and... We're going to play something that we, we've never played on the show before, if I can find it. We're going to play the, the Sandler Belief Song. 
This is an original song created by Sandler because you have to have positive beliefs. Here we go. I can play for 100 people, but playing for 30 is like, ah. Uh, makes me nervous. My power inside of me all the strength, all the courage It's just me who cannot see My mind is always listening To the things I do To the things I say But sometimes something's missing Cause I can When I think I can I'm more Than I think I am I can when I think I can. I am, I am, I am. There's the hook, right? Do I know how powerful my mind is? The things that I can do, the things that I can say. The old me, a victim of other victims Sleepwalking, never talking, not knowing where to begin But no more, you can't talk into me I say wake up, but listen up I can choose what I want to believe Cause I can when I think I can I'm more than I think I am I can when I think I can I am, I am, I am The only I is speaking to me Only the true, only the good Only what I want to see and I get to decide I believe I'm noble, I'm brave Whatever makes me feel alive Cause I can when I think I can I'm more than I think I am I can when I think I can I am, I am, I am. Bruce is a little wordy, so there's another verse. Hold on. I shine even brighter. My gifts sparkle like stars. Spilling onto you, so you will sparkle too. So good each morning when I wake. All these new beliefs, I put them in day after day. Added for all my for all my days on earth, cause I can when I think I can. I'm more than I think I am. Kumbaya, I can when I think I can. I am, I am, I am. You ready to sing it with me? It's the easy one, right? Here we go. Cause I can when I think I can. I'm more oh, and clapping than I think I am. I can when I think I can. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bruce, for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Well, that's kind of the theme song of the Sandler uh, belief system, uh, which is a whole series of classes we offer here. Now, Gene, we have time probably to discuss uh, one last rule, and I know you have a a real liking for rule number 48. Why don't you read 48 for the uh, people? 48 is simple. 
A life without risk is a life without growth. Mm. And what does that mean for you? One of my favorite movies is uh, Shawshank Redemption, which has the line, they get busy living or get busy dying. Mm. And I think that's something that a lot of salespeople and a lot of business owners don't realize is that complacency kills. Mm. You, yeah. can, you can sit and look at your company and see, you know, we're doing 2%, 3% better than last year. And that's a good that's a good year. And that's a failing business. It might not fail today, but it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, people say to us something like, uh, we're okay, we're holding our own. Exactly. In business, you can either be growing or dying. You know, there's no in-between. Yeah. Holding your own usually means it's a nice way of saying dying. Would, would you have thought in 19... If, if you looked at... In 1997, would you have said... Microsoft is a company that could be in financial trouble. Mm, no, I wouldn't have said that in 1997. But you say that today? No, I'm not sure I'd say that today either. You know something I don't about sure. the stock market? Look at their number. Look, look at their look at their market share. And like, their, they overpriced their RT tablet and then brought brought out their professional uh, art, art uh, tablet late, and then they overpriced that too. Exactly. They didn't take the risk. While everybody, well, while their competition, Apple and Google, got ahead of them in the change in the market, they sat on their laurels selling OSs, so selling selling their operating system, and selling their their products. Their cloud. Their, well, this is even before the cloud. Mm. Oh, you're talking about 1997. I'm talking about ni- or 2003 or mm-hmm. 2000, 2007. Mm-hmm. They they fail. They they were happy with what they were selling and refused to acknowledge that the market was changing. Mm. They changed slowly. Exactly. And you know that that is that is a problem that a lot of in lieu of a better term successful currently successful businesses have. They fail to, they, they they see their they see that they are their numbers are good. You know, we're two, like I said 2%, 3% by the last year we're growing. I was talking to a certain printing company, and they told me that uh, you know seventy percent of their volume came from uh, making these uh, printouts that go on thin paper that are folded a hundred times that go into every prescription, and uh, they were happy with that. Well, uh, this year, when the FDA says, well, you could to the drug makers. You don't have to put a piece of paper with all the uh, conditions with every prescription. You can do it online as a PDF. Uh, when that comes to pass, that printing company might be history. Exactly. There, and you have to anticipate changes in the market. You have to anticipate that you know where the business is today is not where the business is going to be in three years. Certainly not going to be where the business is in 10 years. Well, you have to be growing and you have to be making an investment in your sales team. You have to be hiring the right people on the team. Exactly. This the this is full of companies that are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. They've been around. They do I what they do. every city is full of companies like that. We, we have a lot. We, we have, we're, we're a slow-moving, slow-growing city. And what happens is is companies see success and then become complacent. Mm-hmm. And when things change, they're not ready to adapt. Mm-hmm. Or their ability or their desire to change right. isn't there. Let's move to a new location. Let's exactly. get a tax abatement. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 that's not dynamic growth. Right. What dynamic growth is all about is building a sales team, taking market share, or going into markets where the only competitor is doing it an old and obsolete way and bootstrapping your company up. Okay, You, you don't want to be the company who, at some point, you're, you can be the company that's doing something the old obsolete way, and somebody younger, smarter, and more aggressive is going to come in and take your market share. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, once you have a strong sales team, you're going to find your market share trailing off. Exactly. To newer technologies, faster, tougher people. 
I like to t- tell people that I'm tough, assertive, and I teach your salespeople to be tough and assertive. And it's it's really funny to listen to people tell me they spent uh, so many dollars on Sandler training that wasn't effective because they didn't bring the right people in. They didn't even know the right questions to ask. You know, here in, in Sandler, we have certification training, uh, bronze, silver, gold level. Right now, the highest level that anyone can achieve is bronze, uh, soon to be silver. Uh, in my organization, Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, we're the only ones uh, in the state of Ohio that have bronze certification. Okay, I have it. Uh, my associate Doug has it. Soon Gene will have it. Uh, clients can earn a bronze certification. Uh, by using our Sandler online tool, so they don't even have to uh, show up at class. Uh, they can do it uh, mainly online. Which is a perfect example of adapt of how a company can adapt to address the current changes. I mean, uh, electronic delivery of training and of education is what a lot of companies are looking for these days. And Sandler, Sandler Training chose to develop a quality electronic platform. Well, this is the... Uh, the fifth uh, electronic learning platform that Sam is on. This one's a true uh, learning management system. Gene, I want to thank you for joining me here on the show today. Uh, I know it was a good show, and uh, we'll be back to uh, normal broadcast tomorrow. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.